Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Fraun. Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host. And with me, we have a very, very special guest. One of the top agents in the United States for over the last 30 years, doing over $350 million a year in sales volume out of the greater Seattle area. None other than Compass's own Terry Foster. How are you? I'm doing great. We're just doing great. You are an amazing agent with a ton, with a huge track record of success in real estate. And we're so thankful to have you on. Pick your brain a little bit, learn a little bit more about you. Uh, first question I usually ask all the guests that come on is how has your market fared during the whole COVID time and how is it doing currently? I think it fared very well. Um, we've been very fortunate that we're kind of the new Bay Area uh, with our tech companies that are all expanding. Uh, we have more jobs, more people coming in that we have houses to accommodate them. Right. So, you know, that will probably continue. I don't see that changing right now. Microsoft itself has 15 cranes in the air. That's how much they're expanding. Yeah. They already have about 150 buildings in the area. So that's just one company. Amazon is bringing in another 30, 40,000 people. So it is pretty, it's actually kind of crazy. The growth yeah. is exponential, um, mostly high tech space industry and the game industry, video game industry. Wow. So the greater Seattle area, um, everybody yes. has their ideas and preconceptions of the weather and who's living there, who's moving there, what's coming there. So you're saying tech is big in that area, manufacturing, people have been moving in and it's really kind of even been booming more than ever. Have you seen a specific type of price point or anything really boom more than anything else? Well, anything under five million, of course, um, it going. I mean, if you're if you're a two million dollar buyer, you'll be competing in twenty offers situation. It's difficult. A lot of these properties are selling. You know, some are selling twenty percent over the listing price. So that is a very challenging thing for buyers, certainly younger buyers trying to get in the market. Right. Um, and we don't see relief in sight because it we cannot build the homes fast enough and we have very little land. Right. You know, our geography and topography is very similar to the Bay Area as well. Okay. So basically you're you're kind of do you get people do you get secondary home buyers a lot there? Uh, yes, actually those buyers, I'll tell you where they come from. We have people from Florida that buy summer homes here. We have people from Texas who buy summer homes here. And we've always had people from, um, China buy summer homes here in the Seattle market. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's fared pretty well. So we're hitting a situation in the Northeast, obviously, and like a lot of other places around the country where inventory has been record, record low. Uh, record high sales. We have more pending transactions now than we do uh, currently on the market. We have price points up 30, 35%, some 40% in certain price points. Um, the high end uh, markets have just exploded. 
Um, are you still, are you seeing the same thing in your area, which is insanely low inventory, huge demand and interest rates really haven't curtailed too much yet? No, um, I think we're noticing a little bit in the lower end because that affects the price point that people can acquire Right. since it moved up so quickly to 5%. Um, that it's put a little bit of a chill. And what I mean by that is the agents I've talked to that have had recent sales, instead of, you know, they've had a lot of activity at their properties, they got one full price offer in within four or five days. Right. Well, that's very respectable. Mm -hmm. You know, in the old days, if we had a house sold in 60 to 90 days at full price, we were jumping up and down. That was a celebration. Yeah. So I think a lot of this market has forgotten what more of a balanced market is. Um, we're going to have to work very hard with seller expectation. Not all these sellers, particularly if they keep cranking up their prices, are they going to see a multiple offer situation? You know, they still need to be reasonable, priced well. Um, this market is it's a very yes, no market, right? You know, everything is on the front end. If you do not prepare these properties perfectly for market, you know, and uh, you launch it, everybody who's there in the market at the moment, they'll come see it right away. Right. That's it. Right. They vote. And if it's yes, they write. If they vote no, they don't. They're gone. You don't get them back. Right. So it's a very, it's kind of what I call the Amazon sync brain or whatever is that, you know, you go to your computer, you click on it, it comes to the door. They want everything just turnkey. They often want all the furniture. They don't want to have to do anything. They right. don't have to paint, carpet, nothing. Right. So we spend a lot of time on the, on the front end before we ever launch these properties to market. You said something really interesting when you said uh, setting the expectations for the seller as the market always ebbs and flows and changes and we're gonna go into a new phase of this market here if we start to cool down. Mm -hmm. I heard something the other day, it was, I thought it was perfect. Someone said, we've been giving sellers and the market's basically gotten the punch bowl and everybody, all the sellers got drunk. Everybody just got drunk, unlimited punch in the punch bowl. And then they said, what we're about to do when you raise the interest rates is they're going to, you know, they're going to take the punch bowl away, like completely. And then somebody else said, no, they're not going to take the punch bowl away. It's basically like the end of the party. The party's still going on. We're just going to take the punch and switch it to water right now. So they're still going to drink it. There's still a party going on, but it's like, hey, it's almost time to go home. But they're going to give you some water right now as we tamper this thing down a little bit. That's more of like what I think is going on. They just, people need to be reasonable and not greedy. I mean, that we really see a lot of that. You know, here's an example. So you bring on a house right under 2 million and maybe it gets um, you know, bid up to 2.5. That property, um, if, you, if the next one comes on at 2.5, it's not going to be bid up to three. Right. You know, they need to come on real close to where that property came on at. And maybe they won't do as well, depending on what the property is. But everybody cranks up to the last sale and they really shouldn't do that. It's a competitive right. market. You get you get more money for your listing if 
you actually pull back a bit and right. not push up. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you and how you got started. I mean, the numbers you're putting up are phenomenal. Top in the United States, um, sure top in your market, uh, 30 year career. You, you, you put in your time. Um, I'm sure you've seen the market and the way real estate is sold over the last three decades change um, from probably like a pre Zillow to, you know, a lot of heavy internet marketing to Zillow being hated to, you know, to, to where we are now, which is craziness. So, I mean, I guess one of the things to start is, is from the beginning, how did the, how did the amazing career start? Well, it certainly wasn't amazing in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started like a lot of agents. I mean, I started in the late 80s. You know, you didn't have any technology. We had our MLS books. The books would come out. The properties would already be sold because they were printed every two weeks. Right. And when the market got really tight and low inventory, we literally would get up in the morning and drive and try and follow the sign truck because that would be the next house coming on the market. Wow. Um, you know, we didn't have fax machines, any of those things, you know, you're running around in the night trying to get documents signed and whatever. I mean, it, it's really interesting how technology has completely changed this market in a, in a good way. You know, we can be much more efficient, but the demand is much greater on us to, to respond more rapidly. Right. So I started, there wasn't any training in those days. Nobody, you know, basically had a desk, a phone and a phone book. And they just said, okay, go. And um, I did, you know, standard crazy uh, mailing marketing um, most of my night up late mornings, all that. And just um, trying to connect with people in neighborhoods and my sphere and all of that any way it could, no social media. I mean, you didn't have any of those resources. So right. it took a couple of years to even get to a point where I made any kind of money at all. And um, somehow, um, I guess because my before my real estate career, I was a um, personal trainer. I had a fitness company. Nice. And I trained um, a lot of the wealthy in the area. I would go to their houses and train them. And I built some really great relationships. So when I went into real estate, um, of course, they, I had to change. They, I had to have them change my their context about me, mm -hmm. right? So I had to do my homework and let them know that I actually knew what I was talking about. And when I teach classes, that's what I talk about. You need to know the zoning. You need to know the history of property. You need to know the nuances of neighborhoods. You cannot do all this at your desk with your laptop. You've got right. to get out in the neighborhood, You've got to see property and ask questions. And so that's what I did. And when I had an opportunity, like somebody would say, well, you know, I want you to list my waterfront or consider listing it. And I would like think, you know, honestly, sort of freak out like, oh, my gosh, waterfront. I've never sold a waterfront. Right. Well, what you do as a new agent, you get somebody who has. Right. And you work as a team and somebody with more experience so you can go in and secure that property, you know, secure the listing. 
and then have that opportunity to learn. And that's what I did for my first few years until, um, you know, I became more knowledgeable and people understood I was knowledgeable. The other thing is that I think is absolutely critical is that you have to play well in the sandbox. This is a, it's a very collaborative area. You have to be, you know, agents will call me and say, I want to show your property. Terry, I'm really sorry. I'm out of town. No problem. We're going to show the property for them and we'll report back and they can check with their client. These agents know we're not going to take their client and we're not going to speak badly of them. You know, our job is hopefully have a great relationship with that agent so we can do many deals through the years. Right. Right. And also there's an exchange of information. You know, I can call an agent and say, hey, we've got this buyer. This is what we need. Do you have anything coming on or do you know of anything? And that information becomes valuable for all of us. But if you can't be trusted and you're not a person of ethics and integrity, that's not going to happen for you. And I was taught early on in my career, you do the right thing no matter what. My dad would say, I don't care if you don't eat, if you don't pay your rent, you walk away. You do not do anything that is not ethical, period. Right. And that served me well. And then, you know, our business is pretty much 100% referral. I mean, in reputation. I mean, we're not cold calling. Zillow, I would, (laughs) Zillow leads and all that, I would absolutely lose my mind. I have no idea how to do that. I'm so grateful that was not an opportunity when I was a new agent because I had to build a business the old fashioned way with a really good foundation. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I think the, the idea of people getting into real estate and leaning heavily into the sales side. um, I always tell people like before you learn sales tactics or any of these things, which you don't want to be a salesman. You want to be a consultant. You want to be an advisor. You want to have extreme knowledge in what you do, but there is no leapfrogging the networking pipeline um, relationships. And I get a little worried sometimes when people leverage too hard into social media or they say, you know, I'm just going to do this other automated thing. It's you can do online lead gen, but there's a difference between just creating an online lead gen funnel where you're saying, hey, if you're interested in getting an information on your price point of your house now or a free CMA, click the button and trying to run your whole business like that. And another thing to say, I want to be one of the top agents selling the top properties in my area where I'm a niche kind of top expert. That That's not a click funnel kind of thing. That is the relationships. That's the referral. That's an amazing um uh, experience that that client buyer so has and then passes you on because then you are the trusted buyers that are in that community. And it's not a surprise that when you meet some of the highest, best agents, they're, they're normal people too, um, with an extreme knowledge and they don't come off as salesy because they don't have to be, they're just really good at what they do. And people try to, you know, just create something else all the time instead of putting in the work like you did and have 30 years of relationships and 30 years of performance and 30 years of credibility. And, and it's hard because agents want it all well, There's no, right. You can't skip the step. Right. You know, you really can't. It is really building blocks. And to work, I mean, a lot of agents ask me, how do you get in the luxury market? Well, I, you know, I did 
$400,000 property. We still do $400,000 property. There's not a lot of them out there, but you know, whatever our clients' real estate needs are, we want to be the one to help them. Right. You know, whether their kids are buying a first time house or whatever, that's fine. I mean, people, they come into a property and they go, you're here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm showing the property. That's my job. You right. know, that is not beneath me. That is my job to represent the property, to be there, to answer the questions and to interface with that agent and their client. That is my job. My job isn't to stick in the office and staff all that out. And I think people, it's just so odd to me. You know, you we have, I have a team of 10. They are really administrative support staff. Yes, they're in the field with me. They do not replace me. That's not how this works. This is a service business. It's not, It's we are problem solvers. We do not sell. We have to listen. What What is the problem we're trying to sell, you know, right. solve here? You know, they need to move because of the job, because of finances, because of divorce, because of death. What is it? And how can we help them? Right. You know, we walk into a situation where older lady has been there for 40 years. Her husband has passed away. She's trying to move to California. No problem. We will take over everything for her, help her get packed up, get stuff to dump, all that, and get her on her way and get her household. Right. That is what we do. And she doesn't need to worry about it we take care of it that's our job it's service and of course sell our property at the highest and best way we can so that's what we do every day and people think i just love these million dollar listing shows or whatever they are which i've never i don't watch them i can't stand to watch them because it's all about this glamour craziness which is not i mean my team in the last few days have been dealing with two houses with rodent infestation <laughs> you know which is not exactly glamorous and we have to get these properties cleaned up before we can paint and carpet and stage them and get them on the market this is not you know this is not a glamour business this is you know, fix it, fix it, solve it, do it, get it done. And I think that there's a lot of people that say, well, I can make X amount e-commerce. I can make this one Bitcoin. I can make this amount, whatever. And this career of selling real estate, they want to systematize it and make it like a wheel turning. And you can do that. I think if you're selling lower price points and you need to sell 150 of these price points, and you have a team of 50 and you're- Well, it's what I call turn them and burn them, right? Right, it's a different type of model yeah. to be somebody at your level. And it's interesting how the industry looks at somebody like you're at your level, as opposed to somebody who sells, I sell, this this team sells 500 houses a year and does 355 million. And then there's you who can do 60 to 80 houses and sold $355 million. The industry is gonna look at you and say, well, you're the, the gold standard here because that's an administrative thing. That's a whole nother ballgame. You are the actual person in the field doing the work, the best of the best, the cream of the crop. You can't click a switch or be on a show or you're not going to speed through that. And, and what you do is, is the best and it's the quality. And I would guess your marketing is quality. I'm going to guess all your agent experience. Like you said, you're the one on the phone. You don't pass that somebody off to do all your open houses or showings and everything like that. You're there working for your clients and they respect that. And that's why they work with you. Yep. Yep. So yeah, let me ask you this. Well, that's if, just our job. Yes. If 
you were to start again, this is, this is a question that when people that are newer to the business listen to this stuff, they were like, okay, well, that's great. You have 30 years experience. Uh, I have five months of experience. If you were to start all over again, right, in 2022, now you have the new systems, the new tools. You have everything now at your exposure on the internet. What would you do now? Your, your day one, uh, you know, starting all over, what would you do? Uh, well, first of all, you work where you live. Okay. I have a bunch of sayings because <laughs> old school, uh, you work where you live. So wherever you live, you need to know everything about that area. You need to watch all the real estate for sale by owner, what just sold, who, who's got it listed, whatever you need to know. And that whole section, you need to understand it inside and out because that's kind of your foundation. And that's also your your world, right? Your community. You should be active in something that is probably nonprofit or community oriented. And that's to connect with people. And that needs to be real. Right. You know, your agenda isn't, oh, well, here, I'm a realtor. You know, I want you to hire me, but, you know, I'm going to spend some time in this organization. No. You need to be involved in something that you're passionate about, that's in your local community, so you can create real relationships. That's super important. Yeah. Two, um, then you need to go out and look at property. If you don't have a client in your car or, you know, or walk or however you are, depending on your area, you need to look at property every day. You need to understand the inventory. It is like if you worked in the department store and you didn't, you know, people came in and said, well, I, I want a shirt, da, 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 but you had no idea where it was. Right. You have to understand the inventory. Yeah. You know, I look at real estate as owning a small business on Main Street. You have to have marketing dollars. You have to have knowledge of inventory. You have to be a good communicator, you know, which is that's kind of the sales part, engaging, get to know people when they come in. I grew up in a store on Main Street. That's where I grew up. I was taught business by my family and how to interface with people, how to be of service. And um, I think that really served me well in this business. And then my background additionally is my formal education is counseling. So in counseling, you have to ask the right questions. You have to really listen and understand not only, you know, what the person is saying, but what they're not saying, what they're not telling you, you know, and be a caretaker. We are in residential real estate, given the reasons why people sell, um, there are a lot of emotional reasons going It's life issues. So you need to really be sensitive to that. It's not just a house. It's not a property. It's been their home. So you have to be mindful. So those things. And then with all this great technology today, yes, you do social media. Of course you do. And you can do like we did a thing. Um, we have a a uh, team member, his name is Lance, and Lance on the scene. So he would go out to the latest coffee shop that just opened yeah. or that, you know, whatever's going on in your community, you know, and we would post that, you know, it, it's of interest. And it also says you're aware of your neighborhood and your community. Right. You want people to connect you. The other thing about social media, it's a terrific tool where say you have a buyer and you've got to go tour five condos or something. 
Well, you actually interface with your sphere on social media and you say, well, I have to go look at five condos today. And so we're going to do a tour. And so you go to condo one and you say, okay, this is number one. And here's the best features of this condo. And it is price X. Then you go to condo number two. And by the time you watch this little video of this, you, like me, the agent even, you've turned five condos with this agent on the scene. But what that does is that agent is connecting with his fear that, hey, I do real estate. I am knowledgeable about real estate. And, you, you know, they have to see you interacting with real estate, right? So any of these new agents that I coach, that's what I tell them. I mean, social media is a great tool for them to really let their sphere know what it is that they're doing now. It was like me. I was in fitness and then I went into real estate. If I would have had social media to help me, to help my client base change context about me, I probably wouldn't have been starving the first five years I was yeah. in business, you know? Yeah. I mean, agents today with technology can shorten the ramp. Right. But there's no, no, you cannot skip the step of not knowing what the community is about, what the schools are about, who the builders are, what the zoning is, all of that. That's what I mean by home. Right, exactly. I mean, with the with the content that can be put out, I mean, we've now transitioned to short form content being as much time and energy somebody has in their mind to see about a minute to 30, you know, 30 seconds to a minute to three minutes tops yes. of content. So yep. if you're going to put yes. out a piece of content, number one, what's the point of the content? Laser. Meaning where is it going? Yes. What is exactly you're put, talking about? And what do you want the outcome to be? Because people get discouraged when they do a general market update in their office and post it on their Facebook page and nobody calls. And it's like, that's right. Because you didn't, there was, there was no rhyme or reason to what you just did. You just thought that you had to check a box. So you read off a script and did a market update. That's not how this whole thing works. At the end of the day, you know, we don't make any money in this business until there's a transaction that happens. And a transaction can't happen until you've that's actually right. put two people together and you can't put two people together until you've actually met with the owner. So the, the may you shorten the space is to be in a, a meeting or a phone call with that owner or that buyer. So what's the quickest way? Picking up the phone or meeting them in person is great. And the second thing better be if you're going to do social media, something that has call to actions, which can't people aren't going to call you until they trust you. And that takes time. So there is no skipping this process, especially on the high end. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, I think here's well, and high end doesn't just happen. I mean, it's a building block, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had clients that they bought lower price properties and then all of a sudden they came into money and then they bought something higher in. Right. You know, that's the thing. You never know what your high end buyer is going to come from or be, right? So, but here's another really great trick that somebody can do today is you go out and tour what you need to do and you say, oh my gosh, this is a hot property. If you know anybody who needs a property like this, please let them know this is going to sell today or whatever. And you, you put that out because you're out there on tour. You said, this is amazing. It's a great value. If somebody needs this two or three bedroom condo, da, 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 here it is. You should come see it or call your agent. It doesn't have to be call me, call me. It's like you're the information resource because you are in real estate. And that's how they get so they trust you because you're really out there doing it. Right. And, you know, and you're informing them. 
Right. And they may not want to buy today, but in six months they might be. And they might go, oh my gosh, I remember Joe. He was out there. Da, da, da. Yeah. Uh, let's call him. Yeah. Any, I, I think the key to all of this is the relationship. It's got to either come from somebody mm -hmm. in social proof. It has to become from mm -hmm. them meeting you and talking to you. But we are so, and especially the younger generation is so caught up in fame that they think, well, I, if I had a million followers on YouTube, I wouldn't even have to worry about it. People would just flock to me. And if I said my name, you'd know it. Well, you can have micro fame and whoever these people are that you want to be your clients, you have to be famous to them. It doesn't matter about the nine, 10 billion other people. Who cares? It, if you're going to put out content, it's for them. This guy's speaking to me. Terry's speaking right to me. Like this is for me. You know, and that's, that's the part that people forget. You don't, it, you can have a hundred views and that mean more than a hundred thousand views. Sometimes it just, I had a video that right. we posted on TikTok. I had 10 million views. So, I mean, that's a lot of views more than most people get on TikTok on one video. Right. And it was of a bathroom that we toured and it was really, really cool. Now I would exchange the 10 million TikTok views for a hundred specific views from my specific group that I wanted to see buyers and sellers in my specific group. That's what people need to get over. It's, it's micro, it's all that energy, all that quality into the micro groups that you want to specifically be working with. Yeah. Well, it, it's, I think people have to, it can't be your agenda. It's gotta be the client's agenda. And, you know, that's what I mean when you, you volunteer and do all these other things. It, it really needs to be genuine and real, real. And, you know, clients can call me and say, hey, you know, do you have a doctor that da, 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 or do you have a painter, whatever. They know that we're a really good resource for a lot of things right. that they may need in their daily life. This isn't anything we charge for. This is just part of being service and being helpful and kind and gracious and all those things. And the more you do that, you know, it does really come back. You know, it's yeah. just like, you know, you give, you get more back when you give. Yeah. And it, it works every time, but it has to be genuine and you just can't, it's hard sometimes when you're not making any money and you're trying to, you know, keep the lights on, you have to be careful that, you know, you, that's what I mean. You have to continue to put the client first, do the right thing and be, you know, just super honest and yeah. then things work out. They do. Well, Terry, you are awesome. And, um, I want to, um, want to ask you, is there anything before we get into this 14 amazing Stephen questions, Colbert questions, Stephen Colbert, 14 amazing questions, these 14 questions, if people didn't know everything about you already, they're going to know everything about you after this. Is there anything <laughs> we didn't talk about before I deep dive into this? You should have told me what my homework was. Oh, <laughs> well, no, it was it was spoil it. these are, these are, these are difficult, difficult gut-wrenching questions. Okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about Great. that would be Great. valuable to our listeners before we get onto these questions? Um, I don't know what that would be. I, I think you just really, it's, it's a focus and it really is 
one step at a time, one client at a time, one transaction at a time. And you just, otherwise you're, you're super overwhelmed. And it's also reevaluating every year. How can I do better? How can I make better systems and be of service better in a better way? Gotcha. Terry Foster, are you ready for the 14 questions? Okay. I sure? guess so. You want a drink or anything before you get started? <laughs> if I don't want to answer it, I just say pass. <laughs> sure. You can say that. You can say that. I might not accept it, but you can say it. <laughs> All right. Question one. What's the best sandwich? What's the best? Well, I'm a hamburger girl. I love hamburgers. That's it. It's my favorite, just like my mother. She always loved hamburgers. A great hamburger. That's it. Does that count? That's the best. Does that count? It counts. Hamburger counts. We'll give it to you. Hamburger That's a counts. sandwich. All right. What, what's one thing you own that you really should throw out? Oh, my gosh. I'm not much of a, I'm not a collector. Oh, wow. I don't know what that would be. Probably some clothes that don't fit anymore that I keep thinking I will get into them eventually. You I know think what? That's, that's the number. That's the number one answer that we get from that. <laughs> I hear that more than anything else. So you're not alone. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> number three, what is the scariest animal? Well... I'm not a snake person. That mm. would not be good. And I couldn't live around alligators. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work either. My son is obsessed with snakes and I'm like, Ugh. snakes and spiders. Ugh. Not for me. Not with me. Not for me. Nope. <laughs> Number four, apples or oranges? Well, I like them both and I eat both every day. So I'm not sure I could pick one over the other, but there is a new Washington apple called Cosmic mm. that was developed by the Washington State University. And it is awesome. It is like the best apple out there called Cosmic. So, so I'm going to say apple for that. you. And I agree. I'm an apple okay. person. Okay. Absolutely. Number five, have you ever asked somebody for their autograph? No. Never? Nope. No, I've, I've gone to, um, stood in line to have a book signed, if that counts, you know, by an author like, um, Colin Powell or, oh, okay. you know, oh, I yeah, did that's, that. That, that accounts. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Colin Powell. Yep. We'll, we'll go with that. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Favorite. Now you can change this so you can pick the genre. I have here a favorite action movie, but I'm going to take this a favorite movie. Oh my gosh. I don't even know if I could say a favorite movie. I love movies. Favorite movie. Um, I don't really, uh, I like sweet home Alabama. I think it's very funny. Um, I don't know that's my favorite, but I have watched it more than once, especially when I'm working out. <laughs> okay, we'll go with Sweet Home Alabama. You got it. All right, here we go. Next one. 
Round of golf or CrossFit class? CrossFit class. I don't play golf. There you go. Okay. Flat water or sparkling water? As, well, I drink lots of flat throughout the day, but at dinner, um, to me, I will drink sparkling water with lime at like a cocktail. Nice. There you go. I'm obsessed with seltzer. I am, I am all day, every day seltzer. Oh, are you? I got my wife and my kids oh, all hooked yeah. on seltzer. No, during the all hooked on it. Most used app on your phone. And messages can't be an app. This has to be an app you have to download. Well, there's an app called Landglide. And I would say that that's what's so great about that. I can see every plat map wherever I am. I can see every plat map in the country and the owner name and everything. And, um, you know, you can have that on your phone and walk like acreage and it will show you exactly where you are if you're on the property line or not. Wow. I think as a realtor, that is just one of the best apps you can have. There you go. Very good real estate agent answer for that. Everybody should download that app. So you can be like Terry Foster. Here we go. Next one. You get one song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's tough. Cause I grew up in the music store. Mm. What's that one, one song, song you just hear it all day? I could listen no, to it. Um, um, it's the one that the guy in Hawaii sang. Um, what is it? Somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, it's about the rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow. It's not somewhere. Well, it is. It is somewhere over the rainbow. But he's Hawaiian. That did the version. Is he playing the ukulele? Yes. Yes. Yep. I know yes. exactly what we're talking that about. Is yep. That, that is a great song. Yeah. That's that a is. hard song to not be in a good yeah. mood or calm when you hear that song. That's good. Well, it just yeah, it has very fond memories to me. I I could probably listen to that every day. Yeah. Beautiful. What number am I thinking of? seven yes first time i've ever had anybody guess it wow seven really i will never use that number again <laughs> literally i <laughs> i have done this a bunch i have never heard anybody terry foster that's why you're number one i get you all right wow you can okay. read mine all right Whew. all right last question describe the rest of your life in five words Five words? Yeah, it's tough. Um, family. Um, experiences. Beautiful scenery. That's four. I'll give oh, you get two more. Um, I'll give you two more. Um, good health. Okay. We'll count it. We'll count it. Terry Foster, you rocked this podcast. Thank you so much for being on with us. Um, can you give everybody the information where they can find more of you, uh, websites, uh, Instagram handles, things like that? Yes. Our website is fosterrealty.com. So F-O-S-T-E-R-R-E-A-L-T-Y.com. And my email is Terry, and that's T-E-R-E, -E, at fosterrealty.com.
Excellent. And can they find you on social media at all? Yes. Team Foster. We actually, um, Team Foster, we're on there multiple times a day. Beautiful. Beautiful. And obviously anybody out there who has any business going on in the greater Seattle area or just Washington in general, please. Definitely. He reads minds. So, and we do work the greater market, including all the islands and everything, not just beautiful. urban. Yeah. Beautiful. Terry, thank you so, so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. We learned so much and I hope people reach out to you and I hope to have you on again sometime. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, Terry. Have a Take great care. day. Bye.